How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. And good Saturday morning. Welcome into another edition of Talking Guns. Don Dubuque along with Devin Burgess. Uh, Devin, tell us what's going on over at the Jefferson Shooters Club and the Jefferson Gun Outlet these days. Oh, we're always full of interesting stuff at Jefferson Gun and the Shooters Club. I wanted to, not to to jump ahead of you, but I wanted to, I listened to your, your last uh, last show, that CB, uh, CWD, what, what, do they know what causes deer to get that? I'm very interested in that for some reason. Well, there's kind of a controversy. Uh, some people think it's a bacteria, others think it is a virus, and uh, what is called a prion or prion, it's um, it's an organism that is neither bacteria nor viral in nature, but it's very, very uh, contagious. And the way it is spread, deer by nature are browsers. Uh, they don't normally park in front of a, a feeder or a corn feeder and just chow down and stay there. They move through the woods picking up an acorn here, browsing on some leaves here, maybe uh, some grass, and they don't get a lot of their numbers in close proximity. And so the, the, the possibility of spread under natural conditions is much lower. But what has happened since we've got a lot of deer farms, we've got a lot of controlled hunting areas, uh, there's a tendency to overpopulate the deer. They're attracted to feeders and they're in close proximity for longer periods of time, so these diseases, if they pop up, are much more rapidly and easily spread. In the case of CWD, this thing is like out of a science fiction movie. Uh, there's no cure. You can't inoculate and prevent it. Uh, it's almost impossible to destroy these prions. They can be transmitted through vegetation, uh, through feces, through urine, through sexual contact between the deer, uh, there's a number of ways. So what happens is once it gets a foothold in a herd, it can go through and wipe out the herd. Uh, it's very hard to detect. We may have deer very well walking around in Louisiana right now that have been contaminated for up to a year and just haven't shown the, the effects of it yet. Uh, the, what it does is it attacks the spinal cord and the brain, basically the nervous system, and the deer becomes disoriented, it wobbles, walks around, it becomes emaciated, it loses weight. And, you know, a lot of times people will either, they'll get hit by vehicles or people will shoot them because they're going to be the, the easiest to, 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 to shoot because they don't have any natural defense left. It's been seen in a number of states. I think the number's like 24 or 27 states. It's in Canada, and it's been spreading. So far in Louisiana, there has yet to be a confirmed case of chronic wasting disease. There were a couple of isolated cases in Mississippi. Alabama is CWD-free. Uh, it's been in Texas, New Mexico. It's been in Arkansas. And its, it's spread is very hard to stop because, you know, the nature of it, it it's, it's indestructible. You can't burn a carcass and kill it. You can't bury it because it gets in the soil. It can be transmitted through water. Uh, it's a very, very formidable opponent, this disease. And 
you know, some states have taken the attitude like, we're not going to fight this thing. It's too big of a deal. We're just going to let it run its course, which is what happens with most diseases. The, the weak die, those immune to it survive, and they go on. It's, you know, it's the survival of the fittest theory. Uh, other states, like Louisiana, have been very protective and do everything they possibly can to keep it from coming into the state and getting a spread. It's brought about the changes in a lot of laws. Uh, now to bring a deer in that you kill from out of state and cross Louisiana lines, uh, it has to be pretty much quartered. Uh, you cannot bring any spinal cord. You can't bring a backbone. You can't bring a skull with a brain in it. All that has to be every piece of flesh has to be cleaned off of the head before it can be brought into the state. Um, there's 9,000 deer so far have been tested at random. Uh, now they're offering, that's what we were talking about earlier, was they're, they're now offering, uh, free, not free, but testing, voluntary testing. If any hunter kills a deer and they suspect that it may have, or just to keep peace of mind that their particular lease is, is CWD free, they can turn the head in. Uh, that's another thing. You cannot knock down a deer with a, a tranquilizer and examine it for CWD and release it. It has to be a dead animal. The test requires that they actually take brain matter and spinal cord matter to do the test. So it's it's really a devastating disease. There's fear that it could alter uh, the industry of, of deer hunting because it's so prolific and it spreads so fast. Uh, I travel up to South Dakota that state takes a completely different approach, and they just say, well, it's here, and we're not going to do anything about it. We'll let it play out on its own. Other states, like Louisiana, they do everything they can to prevent its spread. But that's kind of the lowdown on CWD. It stands for chronic wasting disease because that's exactly what it is. The deer just becomes emaciated, starves, and, and just wastes away until it's dead. And then, even after it's dead, it can be spread. I think it can be spread. So I, I was, uh, again, I have no idea why I find this so interesting. Maybe it's kind of like it's kind of like a zombie disease, but mad cow disease, Jacob's Kruxfeld it's disease exactly is the same like thing. But that's from, exactly. I, I'm pretty positive, that's from farmers feeding cows their own cows. bodies, their own brains that's and correct. stuff, right? That's Cows correct. that are just supposed to eat grass, they're not even supposed to eat corn or anything, and they're giving them right. brains of their own bodies. Ugh. Well, recycling it, it as feed, yeah. Yeah, you can't cook it out either. They said it's it's something crazy, no. like it can live for an hour at a thousand degrees or something. So you can't cook yeah. it out. It's almost like exactly like uh, the world has made this odd way that you can't eat your own. You know, it's the people like in uh, in South Africa and stuff have had it too, and that's cannibals that have eaten, you know, that have eaten people and eaten the brains. It's not healthy to eat your own. No, uh. that that's and you know it's a proven fact. It's not healthy to eat your own. In fact, now they're warning people. You know, I never did it, but I can recall when I was young and I'd go to these squirrel hunting camps and you know, everybody go out and kill a bunch of squirrels. You come back and cook them. Some of the old guys, their favorite part of a squirrel was the brain. And they would crack the skull after they cooked the squirrel, and like an oyster, they would suck the brain out of the skull and just say, oh, that was delicious, you know. And I, 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 that was, I kind of passed on that. But now they are warning people to not eat the brains of, of any animals because these type of diseases, like the Jacob Crutchfeld and also the, uh, the, the CWD, that's how they're transmitted. 
is it's a neurological disease that attacks the, the spine and the brain and causes all kind of problems with the animal just dies. So anyway, hopefully it doesn't make that jump. The critical thing is if it makes the jump to humans, then we got a real problem. Yeah, right. Have you ever seen one while you were hunting? Have you seen a deer that no. had? No. No. I have right. not. So you're not, not that worried about it right now here. No, and, and there's a lot of other diseases that can have similar symptoms. They have what they call blue tongue. It's actually an episodic disease. It's caused by a, a, a fly that transmits disease, and some diseases are spread by ticks. And I've seen some pretty nasty stuff on deer. They get some, uh, sometimes these, these big flies will get into a, a sore and will actually lay eggs, deposit them in the skin. And they get these huge abscesses on them. Anything that I come across like that, um, you know, if I kill it, I'm I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to take any chances with any of that stuff. Right. Well, good choice. Not very appetizing, is it? <laughs> no, no. I'm interested though that they don't that they're not getting it from eating deer. Oh, I thought prions or prions were only it was it was a species eating its own species disease well they're eating they're eating prions but they're doing it not from eating the animal but where the prions are surviving in the soil in the vegetation in the feed in the water you know that type of thing that's no good they're still consuming it but it's in a different form that they're getting it into their body Right. So the young lady that was on before us, she uh, they said they tested like 7,000 already. No, they didn't find not any. 9,000. 9,000. They 9, didn't 000, find anything, yeah. though. Huh? Have not yet okay. discovered it. Uh, there was some, they actually extended the, the ban uh, on the deer up close to where it occurred in Mississippi. And it wasn't like Picayune or Poplarville or Hancock County down south of Mississippi. It was way up on the northern part where Louisiana and Mississippi share, well, we sail the Pearl River, goes for a long way, but we also share the Mississippi River as part of our border. And it was way up in that, uh, that would be the northeast corner of Louisiana and the northwest corner of Mississippi. That's where the CWD was found. And it was just a few miles across the river from Louisiana, so they put in some extra precautions there and, You know, they've got this ban on bringing them in and what shape the deer can be in when you cross state lines. And I don't know how much of a job they're doing on enforcing it. And the latest regulation they put in was, and I don't know if you you probably don't sell this in your store, but uh, deer scent. You know, they take the doe urine when the durin is in estrus in heat, and it's an attractant. I mean, deer, they've got pretty good hearing. Their eyesight is not that great, but their sense of smell is what they live by. That is everything to deer, and that's why humans go through so much trouble to cover up their natural human scent when they're deer hunting, because the deer will bust you by scent long before it ever sees or hears you. But what people do is they'll use that, that urine, that doe urine, and put it out as an attractant, because during the rut, when they're breeding, the, the bucks go by scent, and they find the females. And... They've passed a law now that they can actually test deer urine for CWD content. So there are some bottles of deer scent, deer urine, that are CWD-free. They've been tested, and that is legal to use. But the catch is a store uh, is not, it's not illegal for a store to sell non-CWD-tested deer urine. So you could buy it innocently in a store, 
take it out and use it, and you could be liable and, and get cited for using an illegal product. So you got to be careful to make sure that the label says it's CWD tested. Otherwise, if you use it or have it in your possession, uh, you can be cited. And I, I was in a sporting goods store. It was a big box store this week, and I passed through the the uh, hunting section, and I looked to see, and sure enough, they had deer scent urine contained in deer scent all on the on the shelf, and none of it was CWD cleared. But I know what they're doing. They're stuck with this stuff, and they want to unload it because it's illegal to use. I think they should make the law illegal to sell it also in the stores just to protect the consumer. But I guess uh, it's, it's on the consumer, so it's up to people, and we're trying to get the information out so they'll know about it. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense if they can go in and buy it unknowingly and then get in trouble for buying it. Um, exactly. Well, not not for many, buying it, but for well, using it. Well, for using it. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing yeah. Yeah. hopefully too many people aren't buying deer urine and not using it for hunting. But uh, <laughs> but I'm guessing that that's probably <laughs> the biggest use. But, yeah, so if somebody doesn't know and they find it in your bag, they, they give you a ticket? You, get, you can get a ticket for yeah, it, exactly. Fine. I've got some of it. You know, I've had a stock of it that I've been using over the years, but I – I can't take it out in the field anymore. I just—I guess I'll just have to destroy it. There's no other use for it. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. Well, I hijacked that first quarter of the show well enough <laughs> talking about CWD. Oh, it's interesting stuff. It really is. Uh, the, the, you know, the the uh, the story of that disease is just incredible. That there's something like that that we, you know, all for all the research and technology we have, we can't control it. Yeah, and there's something like it with every almost every major animal you know that we eat or that uh, farmers yeah. herd you know with cows and even with people crazy crazy yeah. crazy well you know nature normally takes care of itself but you know we always screw things up with nature and it's because of the uh, the, the farming of deer and the keeping them in close proximity and the food the feed that's prepared that you know they make deer chow now and it keeps deer in close quarters where that was not their natural you know mode of operation they're made as browsers to move and of course cattle is nothing natural about cattle farming you know they make great burgers and steaks and stuff for us but it's it's not the the way of nature for them to to live like they do so that's the price you pay for fooling with mother nature she comes back to get you you know Yep. all right so next i know we're probably gonna have to go into a break soon but next we touched on this a little bit last month too and i did some more digging in the past 30 days and found um that two of our major manufacturers for ars and and long guns are no longer selling to the public we can tell Mm. you why when we come back we got a break coming in Yes, we do. Right now, we're coming back. You listen to Talking Guns. I'm Don Dubuque. He's Devin Burgess. And you, whoever you are, we're glad you're there. We're back right after this. And, Devin, before you tell the story of what appears to be a little bit of a victory over the firearms industry by having someone dropping manufacturing AR-style rifles, I did want to point out, I, got, I saw a headline. And, you know, you see the headlines, you don't read all the details. But I saw a headline where Dick Sporting Goods, who gave up selling firearms, reported that they have like a 50, 50% drop in sales as a result. <laughs> and I think that's not because 50% of their business was firearms by any means. I think it's 50% of, uh, of, of, of you know, feedback from people uh, you know, not deciding to do business with them for other things because of their stance on firearms. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you make a bunch of people mad. They stop spending money with you. Yep, 
I think uh, I think Whole Foods reported a, a big loss too. After uh, a couple of years ago, Whole Foods started posting outside their uh, their shopping center, their businesses, that they don't want concealed carry holders, no guns, you know, legal or illegal, in their building, uh, and they had a huge drop as well. And I mean, I don't know if it's huge in the long term but um but a bunch of people you know stopped going to whole foods um concealed carry holders legal concealed carry holders um were coming into the store talking about it for the better part of a year after they did that i think they did that a couple years ago two or three years ago but um but yeah everybody that you know turns their back on a especially in the south on um, on our gun rights usually eats it in the long in the long haul yeah, no good. No mm. good. Anyway, so Colt, we were talking about it before we went into the break. Colt and FN, uh, last month we touched on it briefly too, but Colt was in the news quite a lot. They discontinued all of the production for civilian long guns. All of their long guns. So all their ARs, which is pretty much the only long gun that they still manufacture in volume. Um, their 308 ARs, their 556 ARs, their modular carbines, um, their 9mm ARs, they stopped manufacturing all of them um, for civilian sale. Our distributors have taken all of them off their website, so they don't plan, that means that they don't plan on getting any anytime soon. Um, and then FN, which is unlike FN, they're, they're more, they're much closer to the, to the gun industry and the uh, the civilian market, they also released that they won't be manufacturing long guns, um, at least until the end of 2020, which is upsetting. Pretty upsetting. Mm. They hold all the military contracts, so they make the M, uh, the M4s, the 14 and a half inch, um, AR looking guns, if you're not super familiar with ARs. The shorter one, they make the long one, the M16, the 20 inch. Uh, AR, and then they made a belt-fed saw, which is really cool. It was expensive. It was like $8,000, but they made those for the civilian market, too, um, and they, they discontinued all of those models uh, for sale to the general public. I don't know what's going on. I, I really don't. I have no idea why they would do that. Those are two very big, very popular firearms manufacturers, and they just cut out a good portion of their business i have no idea why and they haven't really given a good answer either hmm so this is probably going to be good news for somebody who is their competition who else is making ar style rifles that will be the <coughs> beneficiary of them not having a competitor like colt right so that's the only um what you just mentioned is the only reasoning that they gave is that there's so many AR manufacturers and the market is so saturated that um, that they didn't feel the need to manufacture anymore. But, uh, I mean, there's still a bunch of good long gun manufacturers and the market's not so saturated to where we weren't selling any of them. We were selling a good bit of them. I mean, that AR is still a very popular uh, plinking or match gun, target shooting you know, they look cool, so everybody wants one in their collection, too. So we were selling a bunch of them, um, but yeah, now that Colton FN isn't around, uh, Spikes Tactical, it's a smaller company, they're out of Florida, they make really good stuff um, that we sell a lot of, Rock River, they make good stuff, we sell a lot of, there's, a, there's still a bunch of long gun manufacturers, but for the two, you know, it wasn't like the, the worst two stopped selling long guns, because they said the market... Um, 
just doesn't make sense for them to keep manufacturing them. It's probably two of the most prominent ones. So the people that, uh, out of all the firearms manufacturers that make a long gun, those two probably held most of the, the market. So for them to bail out of the, the AR-15 game, um, there has to be something else going on. I mean, I have no idea what it would be. Unless, like, uh, just like Whole Foods and some of the other places, unless they're slowly turning on the civilian market, which would be very upsetting. But um, but they also are the two main companies. Colt hasn't been uh, since since 9-11, since early 2000s. Um, they haven't been making many long guns for the, the military, but FN does. FN holds most of the military contracts since Colt kind of went the way of the dodo in that respect. But... Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that, that the two main companies are now not selling to the public, and I would like to know the real reason behind it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because those are the two that we would sell the best. You know, everybody wants what the military carries, which is FN, and everybody on planet Earth, well, at least in the United States, knows Colt Manufacturing, you know. So those are if, – if five people came in to ask for an AR – at least three of them, you know, would mention Colt or FN. Um, so, yeah, I would like to know why. I hope it's not political, but more than likely it probably is a little bit. Well, you don't anticipate that there'll be a problem in providing AR products for your customers because of this, do you? No, no, Maybe no. Maybe no. they might be not the same quality, but, I mean, they'll still be available, right? Right. So, I mean, I, I honestly never really liked Colt as a civilian manufacturer, they do a bunch of weird stuff. They they're very difficult to deal with on my end. They were never, um, lack of a better word, they were never nice to me when I would call them. Um, they would not want to work warranty work for civilians. I mean, they kind of if you weren't in the police, uh, if you weren't a police officer, if you weren't in the military, if it wasn't under a contract, all the civilian guns they um, you know that look like a, a military-style gun, whether it is or not, they don't like dealing with the public for those. So for that reason, I was not I was never a real big fan of Colt. On their lowers, too, if you want to put in, like, an upgraded fire control group or an upgraded trigger group, um, they made it impossible to do so on most of their lowers. They put this little uh, fixed block in the receiver to, to limit what you could do with it. They also don't give you a full-auto bolt carrier groups um in most of their guns so they do a bunch of weird stuff knowing that they're a military manufacturer um so for that reason i never never really like coke but fn um is the totally different story they um they were probably the biggest growing uh long gun manufacturer and, hand, and handgun manufacturer um and one of my favorites but this changes it a little bit, unfortunately. But, I mean, it's got to be political, I guess. Like I said, those those two manufacturers were two at the top, you know, getting most of the sales. But I guess not anymore, at least for a while anyway. All right. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about a couple of bills. Uh, Michigan, in fact, where they've got some bills out that are being introduced. And I explained to the listeners what they may uh, be about, what the impacts will be, and what the chances of those passing are. We'll be right back with Talking Guns. Devin Burgess, Don Dubuque, right here on WWL 105.3 FM HD2 Radio. All right, welcome back in. Uh, Devin, Michigan House Bills 4770 and 4771. 
making a little bit of news. What are these bills all about? So these, um, I brought these up to you mainly because we get a lot of bills that go through the House floor. But these are, and it's just applying to Michigan right now, but these are two of the most uh, interesting ones from my view that accomplish the most if they pass. So uh, House Bill, Michigan House Bill 4770-4770 would... um, would make it to where you don't need a concealed carry permit to conceal carry a, a handgun. And then 4771 would open up a lot of the gun-free, quote-unquote, gun-free zones um, that usually when there's a shooting or something terrible happens, it's usually at one of those gun-free zones like churches, um, hospitals, some federal buildings, banks, stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if... All right, let me talk to you about something. So let me. So I don't know if this is. Uh, I think it's a win. I do like it, but I also like, at the very least, a brief class um, to showing that you're firearm confident. So although this bill would accomplish a lot in the way of firearm um, laws and regulatory, you know, things that we don't really like, it. I do agree that there should be, at the very least, a shooting portion um to to carry a firearm i mean if you get um there's what 300 million people in the country so you know a few are going to be you know crazy you're going to get a few bad people um so i like that there's a class to get a concealed carry permit um and i like laxed laws when it comes to free americans carrying a firearm so i'm a little torn um I think there should be some kind of qualification to to be able to carry a firearm in public, you know, around me in a movie theater with my wife, with you, with your wife, with kids, you know, so I don't think everybody should own a firearm and be able to legally carry a firearm, especially if they're a criminal. Um, But in essence, House Bill 4770 would allow uh, law-abiding citizens to carry a firearm concealed in public without a permit and then attached to that is 4771 which would repeal a few of the existing licensing requirements for gun owners and allow concealed carry in places that are currently considered gun-free zones like churches and um, some schools and hospitals places like that i don't know what do you think about that well i'm not real crazy about 4770 i'm like you i think that you know, we have to take a driver's test. We have to take a lot of tests to get different privileges and permits. I don't think it's too much to ask that someone go over the, the, the laws of uh, proper gun etiquette and also confirm that they are capable of handling a firearm safely. I don't think that's too much to ask. But 4471, I like that because, just like you said, places that are targeted for these bad guys to show up, are going to be places that they know are gun-free zones. They, they, they know that there's an excellent chance that no one in there, except for maybe a guard, and if they don't have guards there, they're not going to be armed, so that's why they go there. Uh, so I would be for that as far as allowing carry in places where they don't currently allow it, but I still think we need to do, even if it's a reduced uh, class where you don't get as intensely involved in 
uh, the ethics of, of and, and shoot, don't shoot scenarios, although I think that's good and I like it, but if we had to give any of that up, you know, I would still like to see people need a permit, not for the house. I think your home and your car, that's sacred places. you got a right to carry a firearm there without any type of a permit. But when you go out in public and you go into the streets and you're going into businesses and other places like that, I think to carry it concealed probably is a good idea to have a permit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that the class may be able to be shorter. It's a long class. It's about nine hours, and um, I've sat through a bunch. I've taught a few. They they don't need to be quite that long. What I like about the class portion is that you have physical contact with who you are uh, signing off on, for lack of a better term, to carry a gun in your neighborhood right in your community Mm -hmm. so every one out of like i said you know one out of a hundred people that come in um you know come in glossy-eyed and they're not acting right and they may say a couple strange things um you know we have no problem not selling them a gun and not Mm -hmm. not giving them a a permit and we make no qualms about it so i like the human aspect to that you know the time the time constraint the time that's nine hours it's supposed to be legally by law Louisiana it's got to be nine hour course for a first time permit holder I do not believe it it needs to be nine hours however I do like the human interaction aspect of seeing who's taking your course talking to who's taking your class watching them shoot um, you know you can learn a lot of, about people just by listening to them and, and briefly talking to them. We do it daily when they come in to buy firearms, and almost daily we, we turn people away, you know, that, that mm-hmm. don't seem right or say something, even in a joking manner, say something that's inappropriate. And, and um, so I'm just like you. I like I like 4771, um, and I could tweak 4770 a little bit Um yeah. You know, the other thing about it is is it gives enforcement uh, an edge. If we ever bring back, I don't know if we've ever had it, New York certainly had it, and it made a big difference, is uh, stop and frisk. Oh, love you know, stop that, and frisk. Pre- right. That prevents felons, convicted felons, from concealing a firearm. Under 4770, they would be within their right to have a firearm. You know, maybe if it, they had an exception for felons, but I mean, the oh, average yeah. person. Oh yeah, I mean, there would there would obviously there would have to be an exception for felons. I mean, you wouldn't be able to. It wouldn't cha- so four seven seven zero wouldn't negate or change any existing laws. What I mean by that is, uh, if you're a felon and you're in possession of a firearm, you're breaking the law. Four seven seven zero wouldn't overstep any existing laws or change them by any means. So it would only apply to uh, law-abiding citizens that could legally carry a firearm. You know, so if you're a felon and you're not supposed to have a gun, even though 4770 may pass, may not, but hypothetically mm-hmm. it's, it passes, that wouldn't um, negate any current laws stating that bad guys shouldn't have guns and felons can't own them and can't carry them. So, um, mm-hmm. right, I'm right But, there uh, you. you know, a potential, a potential criminal who may not be a convicted felon He's going to, if there's a stop and frisk, he's going to think twice about concealing a firearm to commit his crime. He may still commit the crime. He still may conceal a firearm. 
but the, the cops and the enforcement people have a definite edge when they can do that. If they stop someone and they've got a concealed weapon without a permit, you can go to jail right off. Right, right. there. You know, right. Gives them a lot of power. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm against 4770, but 4771, I like it. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. Hey, we got time to talk about NFA products? Before no, we get into the of course not. We yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. <laughs> do you did you own a, a silencer? So let me back. I up. have I have fired weapons with silencers. I've got some experience shooting them. I've never owned one. Um, I think in my particular case, uh, the gain for the pain of of getting it and you know doing what you got to do to have one. Um, it's just not worth it for me, but I, I have no problem with someone else getting it, and I think they could be very helpful, uh, reducing damage to people's hearing. And there's other instances where in hunting applications it's, it's good to have a firearm that doesn't make a lot of noise, too. Yeah, you're in luck. So Mike and I uh, are going to form a trust, more than likely, that have us on it and probably you on it as well. Hey. Um, so we, I'm going to give you a can that you can... Uh, try to hunt with and see if you like it i'm, I'm interested if you ever you never hunted with a suppressor though right yes i have oh yeah well, okay. i mean i've shot it yeah i shot a 22 with it you know a small right. bore rifle uh but i i believe they've come out with some for shotguns haven't they oh yeah i built a uh, benelli m2 with a uh, suppressor on it just the I other day i would really like to I'd like to do a, a sampling of shooting it with a shotgun and then maybe doing a review on it, which I think could, you know, if it comes out really good the way I think it would, it could really help accelerate sales on it. You know? Absolutely. So that's the deal. I'll tell deal. you another thing you don't think about is dogs. I have my, my oldest bird dog, Gracie, is pretty much deaf, and it's because she's had so many shotguns fired over on top of her head while she was pointing birds oh yeah you know, i believe and, it and you could save the hearing of not only dogs but also of a lot of people i've got a lot of friends who have never worn hearing protection and they're hard of hearing partly because of the number of times they've been around shotgun blasts huh much louder than than a rifle yeah right <laughs> eh? yeah, <it> is. <laughs> i got one guy i keep telling i'm gonna get him a camouflage one of those horns those hearing horns and an orange one so he can take them out so he can hear me when we hunt yeah, especially working in an indoor range. I mean, it's it's um, yeah. it's a godsend being in a big concrete room for nine hours a day. Um, you know, with with guns going off, it it really once that hearing's gone. I mean, it's I'm relatively young still, and I have hearing problems. <laughs> but it's, you know, so y'all do the whole thing with silences for customers. You get them through the trust operation, what they got to go through to get it, and as well as sell it. Right. So people that are listening that have no idea what we're talking about, um, NFA items are classified as a national firearmed act uh, items which include suppressors short barrel rifles short barrel shotguns machine guns all those are legal to own believe it or not that's right you can own a machine gun if you do it properly through the nfa guidelines and apply for a form one so you don't need any other special licensing. All you need is a Form 1, which we provide to you when you buy the item from us. And it takes, now again, this, you brought this up earlier. This is the real downside. It takes about 8 months, 8 to 10 months, to get that Form mm -hmm. 4 back approved from the ATF. And then once you have it, it'll apply to one NFA item. So if you want two suppressors, you got to do two Form 4s. Um, and then you can legally own and use and carry around that item if you do the same thing apply the same form four but include a trust an nfa revocable gun trust um, you can have multiple people on it 
and those multiple people listed under that trust uh, can can legally possess the item which is where you come in so we're going to try to uh we're going to try to get you to film some stuff maybe while you shoot and the the upside to you is you'll have access to some some suppressors and some cool stuff but i've been wanting to do that Very we good. can't we Very can't good. really video it you know because it's indoors it doesn't really do it justice but right. um but you're outdoors a lot so oh, we can do it definitely yeah yeah yep well i'll be looking forward to that we'll get that rolling then now uh, there one more thing before we go into a break. Now they also made Silencer Co., which is probably the largest um, NFA manufacturer for suppressors, uh, came out with a they call it a Maxim 50, which I want to get your thoughts on this. So it's a black powder rifle with a silencer permanently attached. It's fixed, pinned, and welded to the black powder rifle. And it requires no background check and no NFA paperwork. Would that be something mm. you would use? Well, I have a, a 50 caliber black powder, and uh, I didn't have to do any registration, no paperwork, nothing. And, and you know, it's typical of the, those type of weapons. They're considered primitive weapons, although they will kill someone as dead as anything else there is. Believe me, I've shot deer with it and uh, dropped a couple of them in their in their tracks. Uh, so it's just one of those things, <laughs> I guess, because of the length of time it takes to, to reload it. I mean, once it's loaded and ready to go, it's as quick as any other weapon. But to reload it, it uh, takes a while, you know. To, right. You know, this, one has a, to, uh, this one has a suppressor, though, that's permanently attached to the end of the barrel, which... Oh, okay. No, I don't have that. And let me tell you, black powders are loud. Yeah. I, whenever I hear one go off in the woods... It can be a half a mile away. I know it's a black powder. Well, it's also got a little bit of a delay. You actually hear the, the, the strike, and then you hear the powder ignite. It's got a little bit of a delay in the in the delivery, you know, after you, you, you fire the primer. You, you know, some of them use primers. Some of them use percussion caps. There's different ways to do it. Some of them now come with, with bullets. Those, uh, I'm sure you've got them. What is yeah. it, 3570, 4570? Right. Right, just yeah. projectiles. Yeah, but that's it's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a cool little gun that they invented, came up with, and you can buy the whole item. Again, the suppressor is not removable; it's mm -hmm. fixed, and because it's fixed to a non, um, you know, wow. non-firearm, you you don't need to do a background check. You don't have to go through any that paperwork. Is, that, yeah, I was wondering why Silencico would be the one to sell a black powder, but that makes sense. I didn't realize it came with the suppressor already on it. And not having to do any paperwork, yeah, I think that I think that'll sell. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's an interesting idea. I don't know how long it'll be legal. I'm sure sooner or later somebody will come and ruin our fun. But, uh, but <laughs> if it gets now, too cool. popular, it will. It will. Let's take that break, and we come back. We're going to hear our gun product of the month. Tell us what it's going to be about. So we've heard him on the show before, Max Michelle. He's a local boy with yep. Sig Sauer. Mm -hmm. He's going to go over the Sig 1911 Max Edition. Very good, and then we'll also talk about the, uh, the the shooting matches you got coming up at the Jefferson Indoor Range. We got all that still to come. Stay tuned. You live guns. Don Dubuque, Devin Burgess on a Saturday morning in New Orleans. We'll be right back. Devin Burgess here with Jefferson Gun Outlet, Jefferson Indoor Range, and the Shooters Club. I'm here with uh, the man of the hour, the man of the year, a big name in guns, Max Michelle. How are you? Good, man. How's it going? I, I am great. I'm better now. Better now right. that I'm talking to you. So th for the people that don't know, and if you don't know, you come on, you can't call yourself a gun guy if you don't know. <laughs> Max Michelle is a pro shooter, 
uh, part of the SIG team, a huge name in the firearms industry, and he's a, a hometown, homegrown native out of Covington. Is that right? That's right, man. Covington. That's that where is, I'm at now. Man, that's good. So when you, when you, uh, we're going to get to our gun product of the month in a minute. I'm going to pick Max Michelle's brain here because I don't often get in the same room with a guy of this stature. <laughs> Do you shoot mostly uh, in just across the country? Do you ever get to go back home in Covington and shoot? I don't get to Louisiana? shoot much in Louisiana, man. It's unfortunate. We have one or two events there that I try to get to. I train out of Louisiana. That's where I'm, you know, I'm stationed out of, but... Most of my competitions are elsewhere, and when I'm in Louisiana, I'm usually just dad and hang out with the kids, coach football, coach basketball, and just do my thing. <laughs> you still live in Louisiana? I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Good yeah. Stuff, Born and raised yeah. down on the South Shore. Uh, joined the Army in 1999. Was at Fort Benning for 10 years, and uh, when it was time to move back home, we uh, we chose Covington, which is a great place for the kids, and it's kind of centrally located once everybody kind of got dispersed from Katrina. It is. It is. All right, so moving on to our gun product of the month, which is another good gun with your name all over it. It's the Six Hour 1911 Max. Yeah. Is it the Max Michelle or is it the Max? It's the Max Michelle, but we call it the Max. So yeah, you. we had to put my name. You know, had to go on there somewhere. I was uh, very wanted to uh, been wanting to do this for a long time with Sig, and was very blessed that they allowed me to develop a pistol with them so they were you know i was fortunate enough that they threw my name on there my logo it's pretty cool is that your first uh concept gun or your first gun that that sig has let you kind of run the show on it is yeah yeah this was what we done uh some time ago and we've since done a done a max optic and uh a max air gun and we're doing some other stuff down the road here pretty soon too that's good stuff so what what is it what's the 1911 max so the 1911 max man it's it's uh obviously near and dear to my heart as a competitive shooter i love shooting competition and i love going fast and the 1911 provides me that platform we always had a um a target line gun which is what people are looking for in a competitive shooting world but I wanted to take that target line gun and kind of dress it up with my dressings and the things that I might do to a gun. You know, I look at myself when I develop these products. I don't just do it for me specifically. I do it for the end users who might want to go out there and compete. So what we've taken is our standard target line gun, and I've went ahead and put some adjustable rear sights on there, a fiber optic front sight. Fiber optics are great because it attracts your eye. You see things really quickly, but you always need to make sure that you can still see the serrations on that front sight blade. That allows you the ability to shoot an accurate shot when you need to. So I made sure we kept the serrations on there with the red dot opti- or the red dot fiber optic there, rather. And uh, you're also going to see the chain link Hogue grips there. It's very aggressive grip, so when I'm shooting at a high rate of speed, it keeps the gun in my hand, keeps the traction on my hand, so the gun doesn't lift quite as high. It's always obviously something that we're looking for to keep the gun flat on target. Uh, the flat trigger, that's one of the kind of the things that we you know, wanted to put into this pistol because as it relates to speed shooting, you want to be able to activate that trigger at a high rate of speed, whether it's the center of that trigger or high or low. You're kind of slapping through that trigger, so I need to make sure I'm getting a consistent push straight back. So that flat trigger gives me that ability to do that. It does have the ambi safeties on it. Uh, a magazine well allows me for speed reloads, but I don't just put that mag well on there for speed reloads. It's also an extension of the grip, so I make sure that it's going to fit in my hand nicely, and it shoves my hand up a little bit higher uh, into that pistol there, into the beaver tail area to get a better grip, more leverage on the gun. Uh, another very good key aspect of this pistol is the hammer and the sear. We're running a Koenig hammer. Doug Koenig is a great friend of mine, um, and uh, he has a great product, and I wanted to make sure that we put this hammer onto this pistol because it is the hammer that guys are wanting to utilize in their competition setup. So it comes with that Koenig hammer and uh, and the nice matching sear there that gets an incredible trigger drop straight from the factory. Um, and it comes in 9mm, 40, and 45. Uh, we've had it in 40 and 45 for some time now. 9mm is fairly new. Uh, it's a, five, a full 5-inch gun, and uh, the 9mm is just so incredibly easy and fun to shoot. 
But overall, it's just what would you do to this thing uh, if you were to take a 1911 out of the box somewhere? I went ahead and did it before you even come to it before it even comes to the end user. A little over 1600 bucks on the price tag, and it comes to you ready to roll. That's good stuff. So it's it's uh, yeah for the people that can't see it. Uh, it's a 1911, but it's a dolled up Max Michelle 1911. You don't have to do nothing yeah. to it. Yep, what do you do? You when you shoot uh, with that gun, do you use it in 9, 40, or 45? I typically have always used it in 45, but I'm really excited this year. I'm getting it in 9 mil, and I'm going to be running it in 9 this year because you get a couple extra rounds in 9 mil. Um, so I like to go fast, so extra rounds are always good. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta like to go fast. All right, so uh, so under 1600 bucks probably, right? Right around 1600 bucks. Yep is MSRP, so hopefully we'll get it in the store for a little less. Um, and they don't have to do anything to it. So the guy that's looking to uh, to get into shooting wants a real nice first comp gun and, and doesn't want to be bothered with changing the sights and the trigger and the hammer and the you grips and the blah. You got it all done it's for It's ready them. to go, man. Yep. That's good stuff. So one more time, where can they go to view uh, you, Max Michelle, mm -hmm. and the 1911 Max? So obviously the easiest place would be to go run over to SigSour.com. You can check out a little bit about myself there under the Team Sig, but you can also check out all of our products there. Um, my personal website is MaxMichelle.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that good stuff too. And we will have that in the shop at Jefferson Gun Outlet. Max, it is always a pleasure talking to some uh, a shooter as, as high caliber as yourself, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us uh very very much i hope you know i don't get a lot of these uh, these interviews with some a man of your stature so it's a it's an honor and uh and again i really appreciate it if oh, cool. next time you're in that that neck of the wood i mean i know you live in covington <laughs> so we expect you to at least come by the That's shop right. once this year i'm gonna hold you to it <laughs> absolutely man thank you guys for having that me instagram man. up do it thank man. you anything for the hometown guys <laughs> all right max thank you very much brother you got it man Great interview, Devin, as always. Uh, he's a great guy to have, too. Sounds like he's a whole lot of fun. Devin, before we go, we just got about a minute or so left. Uh, give us some of the uh, goings-on at uh, Jefferson Gun and uh, the Shooters Club this weekend, hours and such. Yeah, so the uh, the store on Airline, Jefferson Gun Outlet, and Jefferson Indoor Range, they're open seven days a week now. They're open every day from 10 to 7. The range stays open an hour later, so they close at 8, but you want to get there before 7 if you want to shoot. And then Sundays, we're open now as well from 11 to 6. And then Shooters Club is open every day from 11 to 8, except Sunday is 12 to 6. We have concealed carry classes going on today. If you are uh, got nothing to do and you want to get a concealed carry permit, we highly recommend it. Come to Shooters Club, 2338 Hickory, at 11 o'clock. Uh, and then we also do renewals over there. If your permit's about to expire, we do that as at 10 o'clock. Don, it's been Sounds a pleasure. Sounds good. Yes, it has. You're going to be in the shop Tuesday? I know you're there almost I'm every day. I'm there every day. But, yeah, I'll be there okay, Tuesday. Okay, I need to come get some ammo, so I'm going to come see you Tuesday. I'll show you those and suppressors, we'll talk more too. About those. Yeah, I want to see it. I'm really interested. Okay, Devin, have a great weekend, Until my friend. Time. See you next time. Yes, sir. All right, that's going to So hope to see you again next week, beginning our four-hour block of programming, 5 a.m. on the Big 870 in the network, and then back here on WWL-FM 105.3 HD2. Have a great weekend.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 